Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network, the author of Appointed, and a premier contributor for The Blaze. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hello, this is Autumn with The Autumn Miles Show. How are you doing out there today? Happy Sunday. I can sing for you the whole time if you'd like me to. That might be fun. <laughs> Not that kind of show. Anyways, um, we have I have an awesome show for you guys today. We um, have kind of ch- changed up the way we are doing the show. When we did a daily show, we had guests on all the time, but we um, we switched that up a little bit. Now it's just, you know, me and my content. But here is the thing. On all my social media platforms... All of the emails that we receive, there is really lately one underlying topic, waiting, waiting, waiting. How do you wait? What do you do? It's the waiting is too long. And I did a show a couple of weeks ago about um, waiting. And, and, and I just want to give an example of that today. Um, the show that we did a couple of weeks ago, um, and you can find this on our YouTube channel. God is working in the wait while the wait is working in you. And I actually uh, shared this on social media and got so much feedback. It's crazy. And this is why I got a lot of feedback. People don't wait anymore. There's there's no, no one wants to do it. As a matter of fact, waiting is offensive to us. We are so entitled as a culture that, If anyone, even if we have to wait for 10 minutes, people freak out, okay, for, you know, a latte. Waiting is offensive to our culture, but to biblical culture, it's necessary. So as I'm doing these posts and doing these, you know, whatever, and counseling people, um, Every time in the last couple of years, and and really namely in the last few months, I have mentioned waiting, there has been a huge response. So I felt it really necessary to kind of bring an example of of what waiting looks like and how you don't lose your mind too bad, because I think they might have lost their mind a little bit, Um, how you can wait. So before we even get into this, I want you to sort, if you, if your ears are perked up, you just turned up your radio, I want you to think about that thing that you've been waiting for for a long time. And then I want you to use what 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 my guests talk about to encourage you in the way. Now, the text that I, I just want to kind of pull from is Isaiah 30. This is an amazing text. In my book, Appointed, I talked all about, there's a whole uh, chapter about waiting, and I talk about the education during the wait. You think that, the, that while you wait, nothing is happening. What you don't understand is that you are literally getting educated in a way that the only thing... Um, that the only thing, well, let me just scratch that. You are being educated in a way that you don't see. You don't think anything's happening, but you are learning things by waiting that only the wait could produce. Okay. And, um, and, and here's our text. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he waits on high to have 
compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. So this is what I want to pull out of this text. God waits on high for us. He longs to be gracious to us because he wants to do things for people that long for him first. Sometimes we get in a place where we long for the thing more than we long for him. And if you find yourself in that place where you're longing for the thing more than you're longing for him, you could expect to wait longer because he, he doesn't care if you're uncomfortable. He wants you to long for him first. And once you start longing for him, you'll find the thing actually comes shortly after. At least that's what I've seen in my life. Let me welcome my guest. Um, well, hello there, guest. Uh, we have a married couple. Um, their names are Chad and Lisa Holmesley, and they are very dear friends to me and my husband. I kind of sprinkled throughout my social media. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank Hi. you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. So you guys have waited a long time for what? So we've been married for 15 years and we've been waiting to be parents for those 15 years. And so our, our waiting has been for a ch for children, for a family. So that, that's that's where our wait has been. So um, Eddie and I met, my husband and I met uh, Chad and Lisa 10 years ago, actually this year. I don't know if you watch Friends, but we're celebrating our 10-year friendiversary uh, with them. And when we met them, how long have y'all have y'all been married, Lisa, when you guys met? When we met you? Mm-hmm. We had been married for five years at that point then. So five years. And here, Eddie and I saw this couple. And, you know, it's really funny because Chad has tendencies like me. And Lisa has tendencies like my husband. It's actually kind of freaky. We went out to dinner the other night. And um, Lisa ordered her dinner. And then Chad ordered. And then my husband ordered. And Lisa and Chad's order are identical. And we find that happening quite often, right? So we uh, we met them 10 years ago and we're immediately just, um, just had so much fun with you guys. I mean, there was a really cool relationship that started. But before we knew what sort of had gone on with you guys fertility wise, we asked the question, you've been married five years. <laughs> How come you don't have kids yet? Yeah. Um, and uh, it was one of those questions that you guys had gotten a lot. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that waiting process because there's a really cool end to the story. Um, talk to me, Lisa, just about what you have all, sort of always wanted to be. Yeah. Um, so from the time that I was a very little girl, I can remember always wanting to be a mom. I, I think even as a young girl, I dreamed about being a grandma. I thought about, because I loved the grandparents. I loved my parents. That's what we all dream about, <laughs> right? being grandmas. Being, being grandparents. <laughs> um, but just the idea of of being able to celebrate life with my grandchildren, even that it was an excitement for me. So I, I dreamed from a very young age of having a family of my own, um, being married early, having my family early. I wanted for some reason to be done by the time I was 30. <laughs> that was a big deal to me. So... So you've always had sort of this fascination with being a mom, which a yeah. lot of women do. Um, but I would definitely say yours would be on like a grander scale. Um, you know, she's always dreamed of having the minivan. Uh, she's always dreamed of being the soccer mom ever since I can remember. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of been this really sort of romanticized yeah. dream of yours. Absolutely. Which is 
which is awesome, you know. Um, Chad, talk to me a little bit about uh, you wanting to have children. Is this something you've kind of always wanted? Yeah, I think we we, we both grew up in these families where we had um, loving parents and grandparents and, and siblings. And I think the natural progression is you 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 meet somebody you you date you get married you have kids and yeah you're done by 30 and you're you know I'm coaching t-ball and soccer at a very early age where you know like my knees don't crack when I run or something yeah. like that and then and then you move on in life and I mean that's just the natural progression of what I always thought in my mind so, you, but that didn't happen for you guys. No. This is kind of what you, how you planned out your life, but that's really not what God saw in mind. So, when did you start actually trying to have children? I, I believe I mean, it was a few years into our marriage when we first got married. My husband was still a student, and so we chose. We weren't really stopping us from getting pregnant, but we we really weren't trying to get pregnant. Um, so, but a few years into our marriage, we decided that. Um, we were ready we wanted to go ahead and start um but i had some health issues that were really putting things on hold that we couldn't seem to get a hold of um a fix a solution for and so it just kind of kept pushing it back we didn't know how long but kept pushing it back making it harder and harder but you did you did try you were trying to get pregnant it wouldn't it certainly wouldn't have been a bad thing if no, early on absolutely yeah. we were definitely trying okay so what happens and I just want to, I know that people are listening, um, you know, that, that are actually involved in ex- your exact situation. What happens after two years when you've been trying for two years to get pregnant and you can't? You know, I think you, you, you wonder, like, I, I, I always hoped that there was something wrong with myself. Mm. I always hoped that um, we would go to a doctor and the doctor would say, um, yeah, Lisa can't get pregnant, and it's it's more of it's your fault, Chad. And the reason I wanted that was because she did have these health issues, and I didn't want her to have these these thoughts in her mind that it's all her fault, and it's and and I never got to shoulder that burden. But every time we would go to the doctor, the answer was no, everything's fine with you, and it's it's her. Mm-hmm. But I never wanted that. I never mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to share in this with her and just say, you know what? It's it's both of our fault. It, mm-hmm. It's not just you cuz I didn't want her to have this mindset that we we're not having children and it's my fault and um and she had that. She had the mindset like I I'm a woman and God has designed me to be a woman and I can't do one of the vital aspects that what a woman is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And and I just, I wanted to be able to shoulder that burden with her. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good husband there, Chad. <laughs> Way to go. Gold star for the day. Uh, but so Lisa, what are you thinking? Here you're trying, you're getting these reports from the doctor. Listen, we've got this, we need to check out, we've got that. And you desperately want children. So after a couple of years, what does that do to your mind? Um, I think I went through every emotion possible. I went through um, sadness, heartbreak, anger, frustration. Um, it felt like ev- the churches that we were a part of, all of our friendships that we were in relationship with, um, everyone was getting pregnant at the drop of a hat. I mm-hmm. mean, it was like it was in the water everywhere we went. Um, everyone was pregnant and not just pregnant once, but pregnant twice, pregnant three times. It just kept happening as the years went by. And my mind just kept, as much as I celebrated that for them, my mind, every time it would happen, it would just 
hurt and it would crush me. We were one of those. My husband and I, we were met you and found out we were pregnant like two two seconds later. Away. <laughs> right. So everyone around you, and this is real life, you guys. Yeah. Everyone around you seems to be excelling. I know I have someone very close to me that 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 wants to be married and everyone around her seems to be getting married mm-hmm. and she's going, God, why not me? Why not me? That's a very real mm-hmm. emotion. That's a very real thing that I, I don't I don't think we talk about as much as we should. Yeah. So here you're, go- you're you're watching all your friends get pregnant. You're watching Eddie and I have our second son and deliver him, which Chad wouldn't hold him. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Just kidding. A little inside joke there. Um, but but here here you guys are watching this and you're going through the anger. Yeah. And you're going through the frustration. And God is for some reason pushing off um, this dream for you. And I, I just want to kind of bring bring light to the fact that our God is not mean. He's not someone that plays with us, that plays with our emotions. And if you're listening today and you're kind of feeling exactly the way the Holmesleys has felt, you're angry, maybe God, let me just remind you, God is a good, good God. Mm-hmm. He is a God that wants what's best for you and he won't give it early. He will give it exactly on time. Okay, so let's move on uh, just a little bit. I want to just re- reiterate our point. God is working in the wait while the wait is at work in you. So uh, we've known you clearly a long time and we've kind of labored with you guys in prayer over this. And I, I mean, I know my husband and I have said, um, you are going to have children. <laughs> we rebuke anyone that says otherwise, even yourself. I remember uh, Eddie and I having a conversation with Chad one time that said, I, I remember you saying, I just don't know if it's in the cards. And we jumped on you and said, you know, sometimes you need some gangster friends uh, to do that. But that's really, really real. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, Chad, speak to that just for a second when you think, you know what? Maybe this is just we've been waiting so long. Maybe it's not in the cards for us. Well, I think what you said, like, God is a good father. And and I was thinking to myself, like, maybe maybe we maybe God's plan wasn't for us to have children. Like, we love kids. Like, we've led preschool kids and we've done junior high and yeah. we've, I mean we love kids I mean I was shooting nerf arrows at at their son last night I mean we love kids we love hanging out we love we just we love children and so but my thought process was like maybe maybe God's plan wasn't for us to have children mm-hmm. you know maybe we're maybe we're just that quintessential aunt and uncle mm-hmm. that comes around gives a bag of candy and then goes home I mean maybe that's That's our plan. Isn't that the temptation, though? Isn't that the temptation to think um, we have this dream? We believe you've put it in our hearts, but maybe not. You start doubting the promise almost. You you definitely start doubting. You start doubting um, that God wants this for you. You actually probably start doubting that he is a good father Mm -hmm. because you start thinking like, okay, well, you're up there and I'm down here and you're so far away from me and maybe I heard you wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe I, maybe this, maybe, maybe we're not supposed to have kids and, you know, and then there's a lot of doubt that Mm -hmm. goes in. There's a lot of doubt. And that's why God is allowing the weight to work in you because I know that you guys came a couple of years ago to sort of a crossroads in your life where you guys had a lot 
of things going on. They live in Phoenix. And at that time, they were kind of overwhelmed. Lisa was working and they were involved in a lot of things. Um, but God gave you a very clear directive for, for your life. And Lisa, what was that? <clears throat> At that point, we had kind of come to a place where we were both working probably 60 hours or more a week um, and not necessarily the same schedules. And there was an opportunity for Chad to kind of grow within his his company. And that would require us, though, to pick up and move from the West Coast that we had grown up on and loved um, away from all of our family and friends, pick up and move to a city um, on the East Coast in Atlanta, um, where we knew really almost no one. We had a couple people that we had connections with, but we really didn't have any anybody that we knew well um and so they had lived they had lived there their whole life and here you're still wanting to have kids you're close to your family it would be the per- the perfect situation for you to have kids in phoenix chad remember the job uh, uh, remain in the same job that he had but god said no I'm going to move you to georgia and i i really want to highlight this season in your life because all these things that almost you were clinging to, you were waiting for, you sort of, there was a moment of almost surrender on both of your lives that my husband and I saw very beautifully. All of a sudden, it wasn't about the children, children, children. All of a sudden, even your dialogue changed to whatever you want, God, yeah. whatever it is. Talk to me about that surrender a little bit. You know, I think you, uh, again, we've been married for 15 years. And in the course of 15 years, we've always lived close to family, right? We've always made the statement like we're we're going to live close to family because if something fails, if if I as a, a human fail and there's no God in this mix, it's if, if I fail, they'll be there to pick me up. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, this was definitely a step of faith for us to say, OK, God, like. Um, we'll go to Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in the waiting period between accepting the position and still being in Phoenix, it was like, great. All right, let's go. It's time to go. It's time to do this. But then when you get to Atlanta <laughs> and it's like, well, I'm here and nobody's here. And Lisa wasn't there for thir- about 30 days before I went early. And uh, it was bad. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really bad. I mean, I remember going out to the car, calling both of you mm-hmm. and saying, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm done. I think I was like three days into the job mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, I'll pack up. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, we'll move back. I'll go work at Starbucks. Like, mm-hmm. it's no big deal. Like, I do remember you saying that, we'll, actually. You know, I'll leave my 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 career of 13 years to to go be a barista. Like, But all all during that time, God was really working in you specifically in both of you. And I remember we went to a conference. Eddie and I went to a conference and there was a guy who got up and spoke and he breathed so much life into you specifically that night that all of a sudden we saw God's work so heavy on him and he was at a low point and then he started to climb back up really after that message. Yeah, I I think um, we we had been talking about... um, you and Eddie and I were in the car and we were talking about that message. And then we heard that, that pastor come out on the stage and he basically said, um, you know, I had, I had, I had a message to deliver, but I don't think I'm going to do that tonight. I think I need to deliver this other message. It was amazing. Um, and it was the same thing we were talking about 10 minutes before. And it was like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) Like, I just feel like, I just feel like I got slapped and autumn looked down at me and she's like, this is directly for you. Mm. This is for you. And, you know, and I think so we 
so that happened. And then we had found a church home in Atlanta and um, there was a conversation about being known Mm -hmm. and not not from a from a like a celebrity standpoint, but like being known in the church so that the people that you're in community with knew what struggles you were going through, knew what 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 life experiences you had had and and just being a part of that community. And so I remember that Sunday that the pastor preached that sermon and then I looked at Lisa and if you know Lisa, she's a she's an introvert. Um, and so I said, all right, babe, it's time to go. And she said, go where? And I said, we're going to go up front. We got to go introduce ourselves to the pastor. She's like, no, that's not that's not what he said. And I said, yeah, he did. He said, you needed to be known. So like we went, we did that. And then we got a part of a community in Atlanta. And I think the course of hearing that pastor speak at that conference and then hearing the pastor that we um, came underneath talk about being known um really like pushed us forward. And it was in that moment that I think we looked at each other and we said, all right, like we don't know if God has us here for the next year. We don't know if God has us here for the next 10 years, but what we're going to do is we're going to push into this. We're going to push into the uncomfortableness and, and we're going to, we're, we're going to do this well. So you guys, okay. So God here, you're waiting for this baby. Chad gets this transplant to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you're talking different. To, to me and my husband saying whatever God wants, whatever God wants. Lisa's going forward at the church, which she is an introvert. So that is a <laughs> Red Sea barded right there. Um, so your whole mindset is changing, but you're still waiting for these kids. Mm-hmm. The weight was at work in you because God wanted to purify yeah. what you desired and he got you to a point in Atlanta, Atlanta where you had to have him. But having a baby was secondary. His direction was first. And uh, it started just a really beautiful process. Um, didn't start it, but it really, I think, I feel like solidified that. Um, we, we only have a few minutes. We have a lot, a lot to get to. Lisa, I want you to say during, during this whole process of waiting, as Chad is doing his thing and he's, the wait is at work in him, what did God specifically speak to you about to tell you, listen, I'm here. Yeah, I think there was three things that three, three verses really that he brought me to that um, just continue to confirm because I was doubting those same things God uh, that Chad was that God wasn't necessarily a good father that he wasn't good that he didn't um, that he was somehow punishing me for something. Um, but then God brought me to a study on Esther. And there was the part in the story where she's about to go before the, the king. And she says, if I perish, I perish. And that kind of sunk in with me. And then not too long after I was going through a study, another study on Daniel. And when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are about to go into the fiery furnace, um, one of the things that they say is that that um, if God is if the God we serve is able to deliver us, then he will deliver us. And those two things kind of kind of butted up against each other. And I really felt like, okay, God, like. If we have kids, we have kids. Mm -hmm. If we don't have kids, we don't have kids. It doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change your goodness. It doesn't change your love for us. You still love us regardless. And we're going to rest in that. And then the other part that kind of that, that, that final verse that really culminated it for us was, or for me, was John 10, 10, where it says that the thief comes um, only to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest. And that for me was the verse that said, I'm not just going to sit here in my infertility and in my uncomfortableness of this weight and the, the, the 
disastrous feelings I was feeling on the inside, I am going to live my life to the fullest. And if that means I'm plugging into my community, if that means I am going to every baby shower out there for Mm -hmm. every friend, whatever, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to engage in life in a way that I was maybe holding back from out of fear of what was uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the things people forget to live while they're waiting. And they get so caught up in what they're waiting for that they don't live. Yeah. They're so obsessed with that thing that they don't enjoy their life, that they don't go to the baby showers because she's pregnant and I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Um, Okay, so we only have a little bit of time yet. I feel like we could probably do three shows on this. So I'm going to wrap it up really quick. You're in Atlanta for not very long. How long were you in Atlanta? We were there 18 months. 18 months. And God says, move back to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it shocked me and my husband. We were like, you moved back to where? Um, No, I remember you guys saying, this is what God wants. This is what God wants. You get a job at a, a great company that you're working for now, which provides insurance to cover fertility. Yeah. IVF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You move back to Phoenix, you get hooked up with a doctor who's like one of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And where are you at now, Lisa? <laughs> uh, well, where we are now is uh, we are pregnant with twins. We are due in um, May and uh, we have one of each coming on the way. We have a little boy and a little girl. I mean, that's everyone <laughs> in their car just applauded. Um, let me just tell you, let me sum this up. This is, this is uh, We could talk about that for a long time. But the weight was working in both of you. God allowed that weight to purify and say, listen, I'm first. Are you going to do everything for me? Am I going to become first in your life? And when that happened, we see babies that come. And not not that you guys hadn't done it, you know, years ago, but he was working in the weight and he knew they have to go to Atlanta and he has to quit his job in Atlanta for me to transport them back to Phoenix, for me to get him a job that covers infertility, uh, that covers, covers IVF, that gives him uh, and her the exact perfect doctor to create these two babies. You see, guys out there, God is working in you. But while he's working in you, he is working on the thing you are waiting for. And wouldn't you say now that that wait was worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. One of each double portion. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's pretty awesome. We can't wait to meet these babies. I hope this encouraged you guys today. He's working on it. Wait expectantly. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.